Hi, I'm Jamie Winkup. Hi, I'm Dick Johnson. Hi, I'm Garth Tander. You're listening to the V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. BGR dominates the Apple Isle. Big hunk of points for the championship. Um, not a bad weekend so far. Pie's okay after the first front-on test of the new V8 cars. I got out and obviously with disappointment at the same time, I looked at the car and I was grateful that uh, you know that's the car I'm in at the moment, you know, the car of the future. And Roland says Red Bull will not stop until they're back on top. Uh, we've got plenty of work to do, especially on the soft tyre. That's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Hi, this is Will Davison from the Pepsi Max crew for Performance Racing, and you are listening to the V8 Insiders. Here is the news brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Fabian Coulthard has continued his successful Grand Prix with two wins and a third following the tough round at Simmons Plains. The Kiwi telling the V8 Insiders that this weekend was special. It's nice to get a race win, but to get two in the same weekend, um, you know, it's pretty surreal. Uh, I don't really get too emotional, but, you know, it was uh, one of those days where, you know, a little bit of emotion came out. And BOC Racing's Jason Bright said that the team's performance is not so much a surprise as it is pleasing when he took out the fourth race of the championship. For the team to be getting the results they are at the moment is just exceptional. You know, there, there must be teams up and down pit lane scratching their head with, uh, you know, when, when they know they had their cars finished, you know, probably six months before us. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to the rest of this year. I think that, you know, you're going to see a lot of, lot, of, lot of podiums and wins for the Lockwood and Team BOC cars. Brad Jones said that this weekend was a one he would let the team celebrate. Um, you know, great result. I couldn't, you know, uh, just to win every race on a weekend. Uh, I don't, I've never done that before in V8 supercars, and so it's just, you know, it's a, it's a bit surreal, to tell you the truth. Mark Winterbottom had two podiums, but still feels that the Ford has a bit of work to do until it's to his liking. Yeah, you know, we're, we're happy with how the car was. The, uh, the car was handling well. Just need a little bit more grunt, if we can have a little bit more grunt. Um, and, and it's not top-end speed, it's just a little bit, which the guys can obviously uh, play around with, with that side of it. So um, if we can help that a little bit, I think we're, we're pretty good. But, um, yeah, solid result. The guys you know, definitely needed a good result. Um, we'll try and get a win next time and do whatever it takes. James Courtney followed up Garth Tander's second place in race four with a third in race five and said that the straight line handling upgrades at the Grand Prix were now being balanced in the car, which he hopes will continue its improvement. Yeah, no, we had, um, we had a, a cheeky little upgrade going into the Grand Prix, which helped us, but then hindered something else that, uh, 
No, I'm, I'm pretty happy with, with um, everything that's coming, everything that's in place. We've got uh, you know, a great strategy with, uh, with these things coming along. So I think... Uh... HRT are hopeful that a range of parts that will arrive from Perth onwards will turn the fortunes of the flagship team. Over the next few rounds, maybe nothing's going to change for the next one. But uh, after that, I think we should uh, see a good jump in our performance. And, um, you know, it's, it's something that we, we need. But, um, you know, at the moment, Garth and I just have to do what we can with what we've got and keep our noses clean and, and, uh, and get those consistent race finishes, like you said. So the championship's a long way off. Um, so we score as many points as we can now when we don't have the tool. And then when we have the, the tool, I can be banging and blowing other guys' tyres like these guys and, and uh, arguing about it on the podium. Brakes were an issue raised by Frosty on Saturday. You know, the, the brakes are still not the best for this uh, for these cars, I thought the bigger rotor would let the brakes last longer, but once you're following, they still do have a little bit of an issue. So, um, yeah, you're sort of limited by that, but it was a good race. It was plenty going on. And But when the other drivers in the press conference were not complaining, he changed his tune. My brakes were fine. Yeah, my brakes were OK. Yeah. Yeah, yeah mine are good too, then. <laughs> I, mean, I think I might run them all day tomorrow. <laughs> Pretty good brakes. We've got no water this year as well, remember. On Sunday, Scott Pye found himself hurtling towards the turn two wall and he spoke about the incident, which was the worst crash he had ever suffered. To feel it on the warm-up lap, there was, an, there was an issue there. There's a problem with the brakes, whether it was a leak or what, I don't know. Um, and I was pumping the pedal as much as I can and, and like I said, there was no warning that it was going to go to the floor. I had a long pedal and it went from being long to zero. So, um, yeah, I mean, anyone that says they could have done something about that uh, I'd like to get some advice. Both Pye and Roland Dane, whose chassis are used by Lucas Dumbrell Racing, were amazed by the way the car withstood the impact. Um, it, actually, the car doesn't look that bad uh, from what I've seen. I, I, yeah, I haven't got a, an intricate knowledge of what's happened to the, to the chassis and everything, but from what I could see, it, it doesn't look that bad. I was expecting it to be worse. Um, the engine, I think, is almost untouched, and that's... Uh, shows um, th- the uh, benefits of moving the engine 100 mil further back in the car. Uh, so although it's not a nice shunt uh, at all, and it's quite scary at the time to, to see Scotty go in like that, luckily he's okay, and the car is, is not a nice, um, it's not a nice accident. There's plenty of work to be done, but I think, um, I think it could have been worse. You know, as a bigger shunt, I think you're going to have as a head-on impact, and... Uh, kicked the door open and stepped out of the thing, so I'm very happy. V8 Supercars have said that they'll be looking into the incident in conjunction with the teams to see if it was a one-off problem or if it relates to the new brake package. Pi says that the only injury he suffered was a sprained wrist. I uh, just sprained wrist, I think. Um, a little bit of bleeding on my skin and the back of my leg. Um, and I had a, that's it. So very fortunate. Roland Dane explained why. Yeah, I mean, he kept his hands on the wheel, so uh, he probably should have taken his hands off, as he knows. But he, um, look, the the uh, it's a testimony to the to the cars, but also things like hands device and everything, etc. These days, which uh, uh, you know, big uh, big advances um, in every form of motorsport. So uh, it's nice to see him get out of the car. I can tell you. Unfortunately for Scott Pye and Lucas Dumbrell Racing, the car will not be able to be repaired before this weekend at Pukekohe. The crash 
dampened what looked like a good weekend for the small LDR outfit. In race four, Dean Fiore had his first top ten finish and Pi was in the top ten when his incident occurred. Yeah, it's good. It's good to get a legitimate top ten, you know. We've been um, so close on a heap of occasions and a lot of them robbed from us early on in 2010. Um, 2011, sorry. Um, but anyway, uh, it was good to get, uh, yeah, my first real genuine top 10. So the car's great, team's great. Um, trainer's a bit slack, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> no, just joking, he's great. Um, and, yeah, I think we can build, build on that. Another incident in race four between Davids, Reynolds and Wall was spectacular, although nowhere near as damaging. We caught up with Reynolds while his team was putting the car back together for race five. Um, I feel like I've been squashed between two walls. <laughs> um, yeah, a bit dejected, you know, because I didn't have a good qualifying spot, so I had to go back with all the retards in the field. And, you know, you're going to end up having dramas when you're trying to race hard, and that's just the way it goes sometimes. David Wall explained the situation from his seat. Um, yeah, so we sort of struggled a little bit there in, the, uh, in that first race. Um, especially when we were the meat and the sandwich down there at the hairpin, but you know that was just the way that it works out. It's a uh, it's a tight tight old corner as it is, but um, you know Dave Reynolds is on the high line, um, and whoever it was in the yellow car on the inside there that squeezed me up into him, um, you know basically left me nowhere to go. So yeah, a lot of damage to the car. They did a really good job here at Wilson Security Racing to get it back out, get some points. Um, you know it wasn't perfect, but we got some points and we'll move on. The 60-60 sprint format was debuted and while the jury may be still out on the entire weekend's formats, the drivers seem to like it. Oh, do you want me first? Sorry, man. <laughs> um, I, Jump right I, in, mate. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of, uh, of changing it up and new, new different formats, you know. Not a, not a fan of waiting cars and doing all sorts of stupid things, but um, changing the format up, um, obviously rounds that we go to as well is a good thing. Um, I think it's all designed around... Footy, footy quarters, you know, two, two quarters instead of, uh, instead of having ad breaks in the middle of the race and you miss out on all the action, we can uh, hopefully pack a few ad breaks in, the, in our break and then come back out for the next quarter. So um, I think that's really a question for the, for the viewers. Hopefully uh, they saw more racing and more action rather than uh, missing all, all of it during the, uh, the ad breaks. Yeah, I don't mind it. It's um, something different. You know, we, we come to a few tracks and, you know, the, they haven't been the most entertaining. But I think, you know, with this format, you know, we've created an entertainment and it's, um, you know, it's been more exciting for the fans. You know, everyone gets regrouped. Um, any gaps that were you had has now been taken away. You've got rolling restarts, double file, you know, it's just full of action. Yeah, I don't mind it. I think the, um, the gap today was quite long, so it allowed people to do changes. But I don't think that'll be the case every round because um, that gap in the middle could be 15 minutes, it could be 21 or whatever it was today. So um, it gave people an opportunity to change their car, but these cars take quite a while to make changes. So it would be interesting to see a shorter break if it will just remain the same. But obviously some people got a gain and some didn't in that gap. But um, it works well. I think it's good for the sport. It's probably the best race we've seen here for quite a while, not in terms of passing, but the 28 cars are within a certain amount of gap. So I thought it was good. Roland Dane had his thoughts on the twin 100k races on Sunday. This weekend, some of the racing was frankly a bit boring, uh, so we need to yeah to to look carefully at our at our uh, formats. I mean, I think the Saturday format worked well and will work better with a, a few more tweaks. Uh, but um, but overall, to be honest, the racing today was pretty boring. 
Uh, so, and that's a, but that's a function that the car is so close together in terms of performance. So the tyre the is a bit too good at the moment. That's probably a part of it. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. After the break, we'll have the round table. And then on the white flag lap, we hear from the New Zealanders as they return across the ditch to Pukekohe. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You've watched the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Craig Lance. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining me from Tom Worsley Media, Tom Worsley, good evening. Craig, great to be with you. And from VX, the editor. Can I call you the editor-in-chief, or is it just the editor, Adrian Mussolino? Uh, just the editor is fine. Chief sounds, doesn't sound right for me. <laughs> well, it was an interesting weekend down there in Tassie. The weather was fantastic, and it was interesting to see two completely different race day formats, which sort of fits more with calling each day an event. But at the end of the weekend, three different race winners and uh, brad jones racing taking the sweep and brad was probably one of the most excited people to speak to after the race tom because uh, he's never swept a weekend before he came close at uh at melbourne but obviously with championship points up for grabs at tassie it was much sweeter for him and it's sort of been a, a great start to the year for bjr they showed promise at at clipsal and then it's all been momentum from there. Adrian, it's momentum, but it's also an indication that the car of the future might not be all about dollars. Uh, yes, to an extent. I mean, we've got to remember with Brad Jones Racing, they were one of the final teams to actually get their new car on, on the testing track. So it definitely shows that it has leveled the playing field to a certain extent. The fact that you've got these smaller teams like Gary Rogers and Techno and Brad Jones Racing winning races, it's definitely um, a, a big step forward compared with last year when you had the two big teams running away with everything. So I'd say that's the case. And um, it's great for the series to see different names up there winning. It was definitely needed after last season. Hmm. And interesting too, the crowd has been well i thought saturday's crowd tom was the best i've seen in years at simmons plains and of course sunday's crowd looked every bit as strong and it was great to see just so many people getting out and it's got a lot to do with two new manufacturers and new cars hasn't it Uh, definitely i think there's a lot of hype around around the two new badges that are on the grid but uh i mean Having not been to Simmons Plains too many times, I haven't. I can't really comment on the trend, but I thought it was a very strong, uh, very strong crowd on on Sunday, even more so than Saturday, just based on getting into the car park and the amount of people floating around the pits. And for a, for a small track like Tasmania, I think it's great to see the locals getting behind the event. Mm. Adrian, it is an event 
the biggest sporting event in Tasmania, the Premier was there, Laura Giddings, saying that uh, they haven't started negotiating the next contract uh, because next year it runs out, but they have every intention of keeping the series coming down. And I think they said they put in, I think it was something like $600,000 of taxpayers' money to have the series there. Yeah, and that seems to be the consensus that the event will go on and deservedly so. It's a great little event. Yes, the track you know, can be improved to certain safety aspects. Um, that was raised by the Scott Park accident, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. But it's a great event, as you said, biggest in the state, and it's embraced. You know, you walk, go through Launceston, and that's what people are talking about, and it's in front page of the paper, and that makes a big difference. It really helped uh, their supercars, and it's um, very rare. Yep, it's probably Clipsal. And Bathurst are the only places where it's really like that, Tom. True. I, I, I think so. But the other factor is with having V8s go to Tassie, it, it forces Simmons planes to be on their game in terms of uh, having the right infrastructure there. And that only benefits, uh, it benefits the local clubs and the local motorsport for the rest of the year. Mm. The crashes... Adrian, you raised it before. Race four, we saw David Reynolds do the wheel of death after he was uh, bumped and bashed around the hairpin and then, of course, Scott Pye's incident. But uh, first up, I think David Walls copped a lot of flack for being pushed into Reynolds. And uh, whilst Reynolds is, you know, he's a great guy and he found a very good angle to take it being crunched between two walls, I think David Wall was uh, almost an innocent bystander in that uh, in that fracas. Yeah, it did seem as though he got a tap from Michael Caruso. And to be honest, I'm amazed that type of accident doesn't happen more often on that one at Simmons Plain. Such a, a funnel into that hairpin and then coming out. There's only so much road and um, 28 cars. You're often going to have um, impact and. You know, very lucky he didn't go over. Um, it, had he sort of, the car sort of gone up more on the guardrail, might have flipped over, and there were a few cars still behind you in the past. So, very lucky he escaped Reynolds. I'm amazed it doesn't happen more often. It's, when you go to Stephen Sainz, you realise how narrow it all is, and there's not much room. Mm. Tom, it, it was just an, an amazing sort of crash, and I must say, in the media, Zena, there was some doubting Thomases thinking that car wouldn't be out. <laughs> Ironically, one who wasn't a doubting Thomas was was Tom himself. Um, you know, a tremendous effort for for FPR to get that uh, the the Bolo car back out for for race five in that short space of time. Uh, but just going back to the the last question about David Wall, and I, it was interesting talking to the three drivers that were involved, and also the real innocent bystander, Scott Pye, um, there wasn't a huge amount of blaming going on. I spoke to Reynolds fairly early on, and he was just confused by the situation. Michael Caruso didn't know anything about it until sort of it, after it had all happened and the, and the safety car came out, and, and David Wall was just the squeezed in the middle. Mm. But David Wall, what it what it uh, has been missed, I think, because of that accident, is how much David Wall's improved, and he's now a serious midfielder. Where last year you wouldn't have said anything like that, Adrian. Yeah, definitely, and that just 
that's the improvement of Brad Jones racing and it'll be interesting to see where he how he sort of develops throughout the season and likewise for Brighton Coulthard I think the challenge now is for Brighton Coulthard who have that experience and um, to stay at the top and try and sort of maintain as the likes of Triple Eight and FPR get better with their cars we to see how Wall sort of emerges I think it's his second full time season so Hmm. Um, there should be signs of improvement throughout the year. Yeah. Now, we saw HRT starting to make their move forward, Tom. Interesting in that uh, it was basically uh, something that hasn't happened at HRT for a long time. They've bought in their engines. That's given them new horsepower, and as James Courtney said, they got the horsepower at the Grand Prix, which affected other things, and now they've balanced the chassis to the engine and uh, they're making some move forward, but still nowhere near his liking. I think it's the most positive we've seen HRT in the last, I think, 18 months. The, they had a podium for each driver in, on Sunday, and um, it's not very often you hear them say, you know, we're, we're on the right track. It's been sort of very much doom and gloom for the last, definitely this year and more so last year. Mm. But Adrian, that's a huge story. HRT, the factory Holden team, aren't building their own Holden engines anymore. No, and um, if you believe the talk in the paddock, they will soon be running the Triple Eight front end, which Brad Jones is running, and obviously the Triple Eight team and their customer um, Techno and Lucas Umbrella. So um, I think they've bit the bullet and realised they had to make the move quick. It's really a crucial year for HRT considering that, you know, as a factory team, has it been 10 years since someone last won a driver's championship? You know, that, that that's pretty incredible when you think of the level of domination they had at the turn of the decade. And, um, it, it's going to be an interesting year as well because you've got James Corby and Garth Tander who are led to believe are both off contract at the end of the year. So it, it's in a good time to be improving because things have looked pretty bleak there for a while and it's noticeable when you watch the television and you see the holden ads it's not a hrt driver tom that's advertising holden's factory sales craig lowndes is doing that that has to be a first that it's not a, a hrt a holden racing team driver that is doing those ads from holden's point of view it makes sense he's of recent times, he's been more successful than both of the, the factory drivers, and he's, he's very recognisable. So it makes sense from their point of view. For HRT, it might be a bit of a bit of feeling. I guess, uh, Adrian, it adds fuel to the fire about the, the future of the HRT drivers, and it also adds fuel to the fire when James, uh, sorry, when uh, Jamie Winkup at Adelaide said, "We're the factory team." Yeah. I remember that press conference, and it was more a comment regarding Triple Eight being the factory team over the customer team, Techno Autosport. But there's definitely a feel within the paddock that Triple Eight is the de facto factory team. It's an interesting situation because you've got the factory team who isn't performing, yet you've got the second factory team, which is, and their customer teams have outperformed HRP. So bit of a weird dynamic but the strength of Holden's presence this year is just numbers and they've got four or five potential 
race winners across their stable team. So um, that that where their strength comes from, not so much relying on the one factory team like Ford does. No, and of course uh, the the most successful Holden team for the last few years is now in blue, Tom. Well, I was just going to say, I, I think the, the whole factory team concept is living on limited days. You only have to look at the news this week coming from Holden about cutting jobs, and uh, Ford Australia is not doing brilliantly either. So how how sustainable is this concept of, of a factory team in motorsport? Mm. Yeah, it, well, it, you have to say factory teams are still alive and well because you go down to what was Kelly Racing, now Nissan Motorsport, and they've certainly got the full support of the manufacturer behind them. That end of the paddock things are fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the Australian end that the problem is. Mm. Well, we need to take a break on the Van Insiders. We'll be back with plenty more right after this. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Hi, I'm Alex on Prema from the Fujitsu JRM team, and you are listening to the V8 Insider. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining me this week is Tom Worsley and Adrian Mussolino. And guys, uh, well, we've talked about the race and I just get a final thought off you about what we saw in Tasmania. And, and before we go into the formats per se, what other drives over the weekend did uh, you want to haul out for special mention, Adrian? I'd say it's Scott McLaughlin. Uh, again, he's had a lot of attention after the Grand Prix winning a race only six races into his full-time career. But again, at Tasmania, at a track, I don't think he had raced that previously because the Dunlop Series never went there. He was quick, um, top five in the championship, great move on Mark Winterbottom in Sunday's race. And he's just getting the job done, collecting points. And, you know, you have to keep reminding yourself that he's a 19-year-old rookie and it doesn't seem like that. What about for you? I, I'm going to have to agree with Adrian completely. I, if everyone can cast their minds back to when Craig Lowndes uh, was the new kid on the block and he, he was rivalling some of the drivers that had been in, in the Australian Touring Car Championship for some time. And I, I believe there was one move in particular on John Bow that everyone just went, wow, this is, uh, you know, watch out for this kid. I think that might have been Scott McLaughlin's moment on the weekend. What about Dean Fiore? And also, for Fiore, he got a top 10, a genuine top 10 in race number four. But uh, unfortunately, Scott Pye, who was in that top 10, had that huge shunt. And I must admit, we didn't talk about the shunt in the first segment, but it was a scary, scary crash, Tom. It was one of those moments where the, the media centre just fell silent. Um, obviously, with any accident, you, you're immediately worried about the driver's safety, and with that speed and, and that particular impact, and then seeing the footage before we knew he was all right, it, there was a bit of a, uh, a, a huge concern for his well-being. Mm, Adrian? Yeah, and it did overshadow a great weekend for Lucas Dunbar Motorsport, who said Fiore 
had a great drive over the weekend and again they're, they're another Holden team which is quick and benefiting from the new VS and they're running triple eight uh, machinery as well and the beauty of the car in the future of course is that being the first year they all have the same car it's not the case that it's a year old car so uh, great for the team um, sad that Scott won't be going to New Zealand because he's had a you know solid start to his rookie season and um, hopefully doesn't knock his confidence around too much I mean I can't imagine what those breaks and head straight in the wall with that sort of impact and quite scary I think it's probably the, the one team that slipped under the radar as well. We've we've seen McLaughlin doing well, and he's he's a young rookie. Um, Scott Pye's had even less experience in a V8 supercar, only the one year of development series. So for him to be, and he was in the top ten up until um, until his crash. For him to be up there with such little experience, I think, is fantastic. Mm. And of course, when you uh, you think about what uh, a number of these teams are going through, Lucas Umbrell is now potentially faced with a fine for not being able to put a car on the track. Now, obviously, there's a st- extenuating circumstances. There's no one with a spare car in V8 supercars that he can hire or buy. So it'll be interesting to see, Adrian, because Tony Cochran always said our contracts say we only have to have 28 cars. Well, now they've only got 28 cars, and this weekend they go to uh, Pukekohe, and they'll only have 27. Yeah, I think they'll get away with the fine given the circumstances. It's not like it's a choice or it's a financial reason. It's very clearly a, 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 a heart failure that caused an accident that could be helped so uh, they'll escape the fine but what it does raise is the fact that why do we have back-to-back events especially Tasmania back-to-back with New Zealand that it makes little sense given the turnaround and you know I think it's taken an accident like this to show that how how it can sort of result in affecting the show because we've down down one car and uh, it affects one driver and one team's championship pretty severely. So I think, you know, Vance Supercar should probably rethink the back-to-back events going forward, especially the New Zealand. It makes no sense. Well, uh, it, it probably does make sense if the car of the future does eventually achieve what uh, what it was sold to achieve, and that is multiple cars being in the garage, a la NASCAR, where you do use a different car for different types of circuits. And obviously that's not exactly the same analogy, but the analogy was always sold, these cars are going to be so much cheaper, we'll have a number of them sitting in the garage waiting to be used. And, and whilst everyone's been so busy getting just the cars on the track, Obviously, no one's thinking about having spares just yet, but that's obviously the, that was a stated goal, Tom, of the car of the future. Oh, definitely, and I think if it was the second year of, of car of the future, we wouldn't have a problem because there would be a spare car. It may not be with Lucas Dumbro racing. It could be one of the other Holden teams that he could lease or, or buy at short notice. I think it would... If it was any other, even a back-to-back weekend at the end of the year, we wouldn't be in the scenario where there's only 27 cars on the grid. It's it's just a case of we've come off a busy build period and no one's had time to recover in terms of resources and, 
and uh, and time to build a, a spare car yet. Mm. And of course, I don't know that V8 supercars have been told that they're only going to have twenty seven cars. I guess we unfortunately are recording this before we've got that confirmation. Guys, uh, we do need to talk about the sixty sixty super sprint format. I'm not calling it a winner yet because it was the first one, and I'm a. It could have been beginners' luck, but I I think the format was great. It it gave what it set out to give. It gave passing and and a good race. Um, whether we need the 15-minute gap in the middle, I'm not sure, but uh, I think it's a, so far a good thing. Adrian, you and I sat up in Punaland and watched the entire circuit there uh, unfold in front of us, and I know you were particularly surprised about how hard everyone went in that first race. It was funny. I was surprised at how hard they went early in that first race for the first few laps, but then it did settle down, as you'd expect. So that's my concern with it, that first half. I think we're going to get to a point where you have a bit of craziness in the first few laps, but then things settle down because the drivers just want to make it to that second half, remembering there's no points set off of that first half. So I like the fact that we're going back to a sprint. I think it suits some events. Um, but the problem is, for me, that first part is a bit meaningless. And I think if you just had a qualifying in the morning and then a sprint starting with a double-file restart or double-file start, I think that would do the job. I don't necessarily think we need that first part, but, uh, you know, let, let's see how it goes at tracks like Barbagello and Winton and Phillip Island, places like that. It could lend itself to more overtaking at a place like... Hidden Valley, for example, which is um, a bit easier to pass on. Mm. Now, of course, as people heard in the news, the uh, two 100k formats Roland Dane wasn't overly happy with. He thought the racing was, for the majority of the time, boring. What about you, Adrian? Yeah, again, it's a tough one. You know, we need... I think what we've found with Vance because is certain tracks suit certain formats, and the problem with Simmons Plains is passing is so difficult. So you need the the strategy option and pit stops to spice things up. So I don't think it suits Simmons Plains, whereas at a Pin Valley, for example, it could work because tire degradation is so much more, um, passing's a lot easier. So uh, it's, I, I tend to agree with Roland. I think that's second race on the Sunday, had it not been for Scott Pye's accident, which then led to Coulthard's pass from Winterbottom, it could have been a bit of a procession otherwise. Mm. Tom, your thoughts? I, I disagree with you there, Adrian. I think that even without the accident, you could see that there was certain battles already going on at, uh, at both ends of the pack. There was uh, particularly towards the front, there was a I think three separate battles throughout the race and even mid-pack and towards the rear. So I think that, again, it, it was to promote passing and having a go and and we got that. So I was a fan of the shorter format. Um, I still think it needs massaging, but uh, on the whole, I, I think it's a good thing. Mm. Well, guys, Pukekohe's this weekend. Who's going to win? Tom Worsley. Uh, it's going to be hard to look past a, a Kiwi with confidence and form, so I'm going to have to say Coulthard, but I'd love to see McLaughlin get his, his first proper win. Mm. What about you, Adrian Mussolino? I think 
uh, Coulthard will continue his hot streak. Jason Bright will be right there. I think Mark Widdemont has a point to prove after Sunday's events, and he'll be pretty hungry. Um, but can I just say, it's a bit of a shame that we go back to Pukau and Greg Murphy's not on the grid. Uh, I think that would have added quite a bit. It's going to be interesting. You can hear what the New Zealand drivers, or three of the four New Zealand drivers, are thinking heading into Pukekohe this weekend on the white flag lap. But for now, thanks very much to Tom Worsley and to Adrian Mussolino. Thank you. White Flag Laps up next here on the V8 Insiders. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Jonathan Webb from Techno Autosports, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lab, brought to you by Fujitsu, Australia's leading air. We look at how three of the four Kiwi drivers are preparing for their weekend at home, particularly now that two of the four are race winners this year. Fabian Coulthard, understatement to say your best weekend ever in V8 Supercars. Yeah, massively. It's, uh, it's nice to get a race win, but to get two in the same weekend, um, you know, it's pretty surreal. Uh, I don't really get too emotional, but, you know, it was... Uh, one of those days where you know a little bit of emotion came out and you know, I was pretty pretty excited. You've gone through a few teams now, Glenford over to uh, Bundaberg Racing. You're home now here at BJR. What's the difference between all those teams? Um, well, the difference is I've been on the move for every two years. You know, it's uh, it's nice to find a home. It's like moving house. You know, no one ever likes to move house, but you know I've had to do it. I've just been thankful that I've found a a, a house now at uh, BJR and a great team. So. Um, yeah, look, we've all been working very hard together and um, it's not just me that's been putting in the effort, it's all the boys back at work and the crew on my car and Phil and everyone. So uh, it's exciting times, you know, it's obviously good for my confidence, good for the boys' confidence and, uh, you know, can't wait to get to New Zealand. James Courtney at the press conference talking about it. For HRT, the setup window's too small. Do you like the amount of adjustability and do you think you've got enough working room in the setup? Yeah, we do, for sure. Um, you know, the car... Is still not, you know, 100% to our liking. You know, there's a, a lot of room for improvement, you know, areas we can improve and things like that. So, yeah, look, you know, James commented that, you know, his operating window is very small. I've driven those cars. I know it's small. So um, I know what he's been dealing with. But, you know, our car is very good. Um, the fact that I can feel the adjustments in the car and things like that now has made our job a little bit easier. You know, we don't have to try things that don't work and, you know, can't feel the change. So, no, it's all very positive. And what about going home to Pookie for... Uh the next round yeah it's um you know it's a pretty awesome feeling to be going back home um after winning two races here in tasmania so um yeah you know it's just one of those races you know we, we don't um i don't personally attack it any different um you know i want to win at every race but uh to get the support of new zealand behind you um is one of those special moments and scott mclaughlin is saying hey remember i'm the highest place new zealand in the championship yeah, look, you know, Scotty's been going well, you know, for his first year. Probably come into the series at its easiest time. Obviously, the cars are very different and, you know, it's not probably not quite as competitive as it was last year at, just yet. Um, 
but yeah, look, he's doing a solid job. You know, he's finished every race, I believe. So, you know, that's the important thing about a championship is accumulating points. You know, we've done awesome to get from 22nd up to 7th. So, you know, we're only two spots behind him. So, uh, it's not all bad. Got McLaughlin, you head off to New Zealand now, and the form's pretty good for all you New Zealanders. Yeah, it's awesome for New Zealand, and um, for the ITM 400, it's going to be great. So, um, hopefully, we get a bit of fan support behind us because I think it's the best. You know, New Zealand's been competing for a long time, and it's it's good to be a part of it. Your development continues. You've ticked off another goal, just slowly moving forward and uh, making progress. Yeah, exactly. You know, just taking off goals, and um, you know, we did did a PB qualifying this morning, and. Everything's fallen into place at the moment, so I'm getting ready for my bad day, though, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy everything's going good at the moment. Now, what do you think when you see a 22 behind you, knowing what you know from Clipsal? <laughs> oh, that's all right. He's, he's a good hard racer, and, and James, so I get along with him fine. So he's a, yeah, he's a good racer. But, um, yeah, it was a bit average, the old, old, old move at Adelaide. But, um, yeah, I, I race him as hard as anyone else, and um, you know, I'm looking forward to having a few more battles with him. It's funny how early in your career you can just meet up with one driver and then it just seems yeah. progressively over the next four or five months they're always there. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's um, Yeah, every every race I've had J- James somewhere in my mirror or in front of me. And then um, and Shane this weekend, I've had Shane behind me or, or in front of me all weekend. So, um, yeah, it's pretty awesome, pretty funny. How busy is your schedule going to New Zealand? Because I imagine everyone like me over there has their one chance to get up close with you whilst uh, the cars are there yeah yeah it's uh, pretty full on um sell my media check she's just going through everything now so um yeah we're trying to sort through a schedule and i think it's it's more in demand now after the good results and on the leading kiwi head in, in the championship so far and yeah so it's, it's pretty cool i love the uh, you could say i love the attention and it, it's awesome it's good for my career and good for my profile well shane vickersbergen with three wins going to New Zealanders and next week we're in New Zealand how mad is it going to be over there yeah it's been a good year for the Kiwis even young Scotty's quite fast as well but um yeah we'll see see how we go we we sort of lacked a bit this weekend um and once you once you're back in the 10 we couldn't do anything so everyone was in the same boat it was all we qualified so I'm sure if we qualified third we would have stayed up there so Hopefully we can work on that and tune it up for next week. How busy is your appearance schedule and everything that you need to do yep. off the track when you're in New Zealand? Uh, not as bad as, as, as it normally is, which is which is quite good because it um, can be a bit much there. But, um, yeah, we've worked it so it's pretty clear throughout the racing so you can just chill out and actually uh, focus on driving the car. Well, all the best for Pukakaui. Thank you, Chief. My thanks to Fabian Coulthard, Scott McLaughlin and Shane Van Gisbergen along with... Adrian Mussolino and Tom Worsley. As the checker flag raves over another edition of the V8 Insiders, till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.